Welcome to the Mighty Mighty Marson House Podcast. This week's guest, Philadelphia artist Nico yeah. the Beast. They got a lot of bullshit on these radio stations Beast. these days. So we resort to the podcast. Because that's the only spot you can get the truth from. From the true artists. Tapped With into Tim the underground. Let's, Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. 30. Yeah. Trying to delve in the mind of an artist who's honest Who ain't trying to market the nonsense We on this Planning for all this at office is awesome And y'all done listening to awful and awkward Songs in rotation on stations that lost its creativeness Ain't it a shame that it's all come right to an end But we all must see to reach a mighty mighty monster with loss and ENT Shit Peace Yo, what's going up, Mighty Mighty Marson House fans? I am your host, Timothy Lawson. This is a podcast collaboration between Lawson Entertainment and Marson House Recording Studios in Philadelphia. Each and every week, I bring on an MC to talk about their creative process, how they got introduced to, introduced to hip-hop, and we even delve into some of their lyrics and get a bigger and better picture of what they're trying to relay in their music. This week's guest is Nico the Beast, the founder of the 30 and Over League. We get into some deep stuff about losing his mother, his brother, his godfather, and more. It's really heartfelt. He's really open and honest about it. Of course, we start the conversation on a lighter note, talking about the old days of, of hip-hop and, and search and exploring music and how that's changed today. But we quickly, quickly get into some deeper topics, and I know that you're really going to enjoy it. When you're done with the podcast, head over to youtube.com slash MarstonXHouse. Check out the videos they got going on over there, the freestyles, the ciphers. And of course, stay, subscri stay subscribed in iTunes to listen to more interviews that I have with rappers and also the audio ciphers that I put out every Thursday following the interview. Thank you for listening and enjoy. What up, guys? This is Eddie Madrid of Marson House Records, and right now you are tuned in to Mighty Mighty Marson House on Lawson Entertainment. What up, Tim? All right there, Marson House fans. We are back for another episode of Mighty Mighty Marson House this week, and I have with me Dominic Zarella, a.k.a. Nico the Beast. Sir, how are you? Fine, fine. Good to be here, man. Now, you're, you're one of... Uh, you're, you're another Philly rapper, another so affiliate of, uh, of Marston House. You've done some ciphers there. You've done, uh, you have a freestyle from there. And it's nice. It's always nice to keep it in the family, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and uh, Marston House has kind of rooted itself in Philadelphia, you know, built their, built their brand in Philadelphia with a lot of local artists, underground MCs who were up and coming. So, it's kind of like a, uh, you know, piggyback off of each other. Like, you know, we help we help build their brand, they help build our brand, and it's, uh, you know, a bottom-up type of thing. Right, absolutely. I've, this is the first time you and I have talked, and I'm ju I've just recently started, you know, checking out your material, but I've been familiar with Nico the Beast for a while. Um, I had a 30 and over league associate, Rec Raw, on one of my podcasts a little over a year ago. And he gave you an honorable mention during that during that podcast as someone that he looked up to in the industry. Oh man, yeah, that's that's an honor. But that's that's my brother, Rec. Uh, mm -hmm. 
it, it it's crazy too because in the uh, in the past couple of years I you know anybody who knows me or who has seen any any of me over the years has seen a significant weight loss. So at one point uh, when I met Rec initially it was like maybe like six years ago um, I weighed a lot. So he would be he I asked him to come and you know uh, perform with me come uh, help me out basically because it was hard to get through sets. And yeah. you know, I, I would be in the middle of a set and getting breathless. So he he came and he he basically helped me out, and uh, you know we became good friends. I consider him like my brother. And uh, when I initially started the thirty and over league, he was he was one of the first dudes that I hit up because you know it's it's my partner. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now before you were doing sets, you know, long ago you had to, you know before your first set you had to be introduced to the culture. And everybody's everybody's introduction to hip hop is different. Some of us it was a it was a CD. For some of us it was a uh, a song on the radio. Maybe you saw some break dances on the corner. How did Nico the Beast get introduced to hip hop? Uh, initially, it was uh, sixth grade, around the sixth grade, maybe like nineteen ninety ish, maybe not ninety three, ninety. 92, 93, uh, we were listening to uh, Craig Mack, Flavor in Your Ear, in the back of my classroom during recess time. You know, we was able to play the radio, and, and that's when every every day during recess we would play, uh, you know, hip-hop and R&B. And when it actually played everything on the radio, it wasn't like the same 10 songs on a loop continuously. Uh, right. So, you know, that, that kind of influenced me and, and was the, the initial... Um, happening that that turned me on to hip-hop but that's that's one of the first joints that i heard as far as uh on the radio and where i was i i love love what it was about so that's the beginning basically how great was radio when djs were picking the music huh oh man and and it was it was crazy too because it it was uh it was balanced you know it was like not not necessarily 50 50 but at least 60 40 where you know a lot of people made singles back then uh a and b sides that would get played on the radio and then there was other joints that made the radio that were album cuts that you wouldn't necessarily uh have a major label push behind but that you know like a like a joint like triumph you could hear that on the radio whereas today yeah. you know a five five minute five and a half minute song there's no way that's getting airtime you know so it, it was good back then to to put a you know a cassette tape into the into your tape deck, press record and let it roll both sides and just get everything that was being played on the radio for for you know power hours and stuff like that. The last time the last time I remember hearing a a non hit on normal time radio. Of course, you know that when DJs get on for like the Friday night, whatever you know, or there's the traffic jam, you you'll hear a bunch of different music. But the last time I heard just a uh, a not hit song on normal radio hours was when I was I was driving back from boot camp. It had been in 2006. I was listening to you know I I still had one of those radio you know Walkmans because uh, my mom obviously didn't want to listen to rap music while we <laughs> while we were driving. Right. And I remember they played some they played some B side game track when we were rolling through Portland and I was like, Oh snap. Like they, they played, they play more than just hits on the radio. And then no, I, I was like, maybe while I was in boot camp, the whole world turned around, but no, that wasn't the case. That, that ended real quick. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it kind of, it, it didn't even transition. It was almost like it was, 
you could hear certain stuff on the radio, and then it was like now blackout. You don't hear any. Um, I, I I don't even know what to call. It. See, I, I refer to them as album songs because it was stuff that you would only hear if you bought the album. But right. um, you know, it just turned into um, ten songs, same ones, and you could tell who's paying to play. You could tell who's putting as much into the budget so that their songs are getting promoted continuously on the on the radio. And then obviously the major labels kind of took that over with the they they bought out the whole the whole slot so it's you know you hear a lot of young money on the radio you hear you can hear three drake songs in one hour and yeah. at, at you know back in the day you'd be lucky to hear you know your favorite artist more than once in a day you know what i mean because there was enough music to be played throughout a day cycle that you wouldn't get to hear all your favorite songs more than once per day. If you did, it was like, oh, man, that's so dope. Now I could, you know, th th they would tell you uh, what, this is what's coming up next. And then you put, like I said, you put your tape in the tape deck and let it play. And then that's how you make your mixtapes. And then obviously, like you just said, the, the CD Walkmans and, and, and the, uh, you know, the cassette Walkman back in the day, you remember the, the cars with the with the cassette players too, so you would make little mixtapes and stuff to to ride around to. Yeah, so I mean, I remember like in eighth grade, like in middle school, like in my bed, you know, because I had I had a bedtime still, like I had to be at least in my room with the lights off, whatever, by like ten, eleven o'clock, whatever it may be. Curfew. But I remember laying yeah, in bed. Curfew. Yeah, curfew, and I remember laying in bed and just waiting for. <clears throat> you know that song to come because you, you always knew your favorite songs were going to come on during the you know the top seven at seven or the top ten at ten or yep. you know whatever it was yep. and you just sat there waiting and god forbid you missed that <laughs> like you expected it to be in the top three you got there by five it was actually number seven you have to wait the whole another day for exactly <laughs> See, that's exactly it too it's like almost like you caught like a like a block of gold as it like went downstream and that's basically yeah. what it would be. Then you got to camp out all next day just to find that one block of gold again, never yeah. knowing if it's going to come back at the same time you're in the same room with the, with the cassette ready. So exactly. That, I, and then I remember, I remember rolling around with my seat with my, with my discman and you always had to pack, you know, multiple CDs. So you didn't you weren't stuck with the same disc. So exactly. man, like how, te how technology, like it it's gotten so much all. more convenient. The i the i uh the iPod and the iPod Touch and all that that basically eliminated all that it it eliminated the need for CD booklets or multiple yeah. CD booklets in some people's case um you know where you'd have it in the back of your car I'd be like yo give me another CD you got to go fishing through all these different pages of CDs uh alphabetically listed you know all the way to to get the Wu Tang <laughs> it would take you forty five page flips you know what I mean like it was it was that it was that crazy. So, uh, I mean, that was kind of part of the allure of it, too, you know, like having a collection and, and, and being able to show your friends specific uh, tapes that only got released, uh, you know, at a specific time at a specific record store. Those were those were the little things that that little details that might not seem like much, but that was kind of part of the reason why a lot of us fell in love with the culture, you know, like having vinyls yeah. and cassettes and like you know the singles and stuff that got released to Tower Records, like that's major. So they they don't yeah, get that was, now. They just go to in my interview press with record, press uh, download. You know. Yeah, exactly. I remember what, you know in my interview with Just Allah, you know, we were talking about how music discovery has changed. Like even though there is 
millions more songs readily available at our fingertips, the process of music discovery has changed in you don't have to seek anything out. Like you, right. it used to be, you you get in, you know, I get into, uh, you know, I hear the I hear a beat nuts track, and I'm like, and I get into it, and I start looking for more and more beat nuts. Now I just Google beat nuts, and you know, oh, there's there, I'll listen to a few songs. Okay, they're nice. But it used to be you'd actually have to seek out their mixtapes or go find the vinyl or something. Like, maybe this was only released on tape or something like that. Yep. It, like it used to be an adventure to like to look to seek out the the artists you would discover and then want more of. Yeah, there was limited editions, there was, you know, special packaging, there was stuff like that that happened, and, and even the process in and of itself, like when you, you know, like you say, Beat Nuts, you hear off the books, you hear Big Pump for the first time, so now, yeah. who's who's the artist that you're going to be looking for? Just based off of that one Beat Nuts track, now you're going to be looking for Big Pun, which actually stemmed one, one from that into the next one, so... It, you know, you, you kind of like were exposed to artists differently at that time, too. Plus, you knew that the artist that the artist that you were getting exposure to, whether it be underground or mainstream, you knew that it, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a far divide from the underground to the mainstream. You know what right. I mean? Like you would hear somebody on the underground one week and then next thing you know, you might hear them on the radio and be signed with Bad Boy or, you know, uh rough riders or 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 Mm -hmm. whoever you know what i mean and then finding out they were affiliated with such and such and that's how they got on nowadays it's uh it's kind of like a double-edged sword because yeah it's readily available via youtube or spotify or pandora or whatever but you still have to sift through those millions of artists now and those millions of songs. It's not like you had 10 specific artists from any specific city that you were looking for, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's it's a little bit different, but it's kind of, like I said, it's kind of a double-edged sword in and of itself. Absolutely. So how did how did you start when did you start getting in, into actually rapping then? So how long after that first introduction in the 6th grade? Did you start messing around with wordplay, rhymes, whatever it may be? Sophomore year. Uh, so, yeah, but I guess like five years afterwards, um, I heard Cannabis on The Firm. Um, what was the, the Firm song? Uh, Desperados. And once I heard the verse that he spit on Desperados, I was like, yeah, this is this is what I want to do. So uh, me and my boy E-Rock in, in sophomore year, we would go lunch table you know, exchange, exchange verses, little verses that we were writing throughout the day so that the next day when we sat down for lunch, we would just spit whatever we had wrote the past day, the previous 24 hours. And then it got to a point by the end of the sophomore year, we were, we were doing ciphers in the back of the, in in the back of the homeroom and people were like, Oh damn, like these dudes are actually pretty all right, you know, but it, it, like I said, at that point in time, we're talking, uh, what, 1998 maybe? Yeah, 90, sure. 97, 98 maybe. So, you know, there there wasn't, uh, there still wasn't that boom yet as far as like MySpace and, you know, sure. uh, the accessibility of being able to know who, who was who. So we were kind of still going corner to corner and, and doing ciphers at, you know, different blocks throughout the city. Now, if you're familiar with South Philly, a lot of people 
claimed corners. So back when I was coming up, it was uh, 22nd and Jackson that I stayed on. So 22nd and Jackson would link up with like 16th and Rittner. And, you know, we, we would hear whoever the top MCs were from those neighborhoods. And then the next day, 22nd and Jackson would go off to like 23rd and Tasker and you hear the dopest MCs around that neighborhood. Or it would just be like, yo, B, come with me. Uh, uh, I got, I gotta, I gotta let you hear this other dude from such and such block, and then that's how you kind of built your own little, um, your 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 little web. You know what I mean? Of, of people that you know that that spit throughout the city and gain the name, and then you know, obviously, get to the point where people are looking for you. Yeah. When did so? How did Dominic Zarella become Nico the Beast? When did that happen? Oh man, it's about seven name changes, and uh, <laughs> you know we all, we all got the the ones that we're we're a little embarrassed of. Like the first name I think I had was like the Crypt Keeper or something like that, and then uh, <laughs> you know uh, come come to like two thousand four, two thousand five, I changed the name to Knowledge, and then um, Knowledge Don, and then once I started really getting into it, um, I had a pit bull that we named Nico. Now my name is Dominic, but in Italian it's Domenico. So the last four letters is Nico and I named my pit bull that. So um when my pit bull passed away, I you know, I took his name and then I just tapped on the beast after after and that's how Nico the Beast came to life. Very cool. So tell us um tell us about your creative process then. This is always interesting and unique from artist to artist. You know, when you're when you're getting into actually creating a song or a track, maybe you get invited to do a feature. Right. Uh, what's your, what's your creative process like? How are you approaching that that the music? Uh, well, I mean, it it depends on which part. Like, all right, so if if it's a song that uh, is conceptually, you know, uh, bigger than anything else, like if I want if I want to go into a specific concept then I'll start out with the actual concept in and of itself, start writing down ideas, what what comes to mind when I think of that concept. And then um, after that, then I could start formulating the rhymes. Other times, if it's like an anthem type track, you know, just like a, like a real catchy like anthem, I'll start off with the hook. So the hook will then be the basis on what I write my verses to. So um, as far as like the structuring and stuff like that, that, that kind of all melded into one firm uh style now like i i still feel as though i'm progressing and 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 you know perfecting the craft still so it's uh the style is always going to be um you know getting better and better and 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 tighter and tighter so right the concepts though or or like i said if if it's a, a specific concept that strikes home it'll you know it'll already be in my head and i i already have a, a a perception on that concept so the bars kind of come out more fluently but if it's something that i'm not familiar with then you know i do my research write down a couple things that i think of when i hear the concept and then base my bars around that. But uh yeah, that that's that's how the creative process works for me. It's more or less just a research type thing. And if sure. you've heard any of my music, a lot of the stuff that I speak on is is a lot of life stuff. You know, you we all got the the the, the hardcore aggressive anger raps, but at the same time I feel like more more of my uh catalog is based off of my life and and the experiences that I've had throughout my life. When did you and we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in a second because 
I heard, you know, I heard something on on your music. I definitely want to talk about. But when when did you notice your talent jump? Like, when did you notice that first significant jump in in talent? When you were like, man, I've I've gotten definitely better at this. Uh, I would say after the after the release of the first album, No Be So Fierce, because it was still. It was still a process um, that I was going through, you know, trying to get adjusted to, to the flows and stuff, uh, double time and, 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 you know, slow flow and then like uh, being able to cater to a certain um, cadence and, and, and voice inflection, little things that I was still developing at that point in time that I wasn't fully focused on. I was more or less just focused on the bars, you know, the, the lyricism. So it it was lacking in other areas. After that, though, I did a uh, a sequence called Feed the Beast, where anybody who who listened to the music could send me in an instrumental or send me in a beat and say, "Yo, check this beat out. I want to hear you rap to this." And I did that for I think it was like a ten week campaign or twenty weeks or something like that. So a lot of the stuff that they were throwing was curveballs, you know, like oh, I don't think he'll be able to mess with this. And then I I'd approach it do it and and it kind of made me sharper you know as far as like emceeing goes so in between uh no be so fierce and the first mixtape dinner is served volume one was when i started seeing a lot of progression but the most significant progression in between those two so i you whenever i when i book someone for the show I go back and start listening to their material, whatever I can find. The obvious, you know, YouTube, SoundCloud. I start listening to whatever, and right. uh, I try to pull some lyrics, some line, or something that I think really captures my attention that I want to sort of decipher, deconstruct a little bit. Right. When I was listening to your music, uh, I stumbled across uh, "Who We Are" featuring Blessa. Right. And at the end, you show respects to some very important people in your life that have passed away. Right. One of them being your son. And next, I listened to your Marston House, or Marston House Freestyle, and I heard you, you know, name them specifically. My mother, brother, son, and godfather died. So why bother to wonder why I rhyme Molotov? Right. And so instead, you know, for this portion of the, sh- of the podcast, instead of talking specifically about a certain line or lyric, I just want to talk about this because you mentioned earlier that you know you talk about real life stuff and that you just it's really personal to you and nothing gets more personal than talking about the passing of loved ones and you know one of my favorite slaughterhouse tracks is goodbye and where they all get very deep and vulnerable on people that have left them uh far too early in their lives and i i can it's always very powerful material oh yeah what you know, just so the listeners have an idea of what, of what we're talking about. Um, what time span was you know? Did you lose? You think you mentioned your mother, your brother, um, your mother, son, brother, and your godfather? Son and godfather died, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what what time span is that? Okay, so 2009. If if you listen to uh, the Beast Within. If you listen to the Beast Within, you'll hear uh, you'll hear you mean everything, which is the song. Something passing, um, and then you'll hear "Last Ride" at the end of the at the end of the song, which is a song about uh, a car accident that I was in in 2009. So that's the beginning. 2009, the, the car accident was when a good friend of mine passed away, and and I was involved in this you know fatal car crash. 
And then um, three months removed from that was, uh, you know, the, my son was born a month after that, but then three months after that was when my son passed away in 2009. So from April 19th, when my, you know, the, the accident happened, uh, to July 17th when, when my son passed away at a month and a half old. Um, flash forward to 2011 when my mother passed in May, my uncle passed in October, and then my brother passed in December. So 2011 was, uh, the, so basically within like a two and a half year span, uh, we lost like, you know, four pillars of our family. Yeah. And flash to 2013. Um, I don't know if you ever heard the song Suicide Note, but that is actually a song about my cousin Dean who passed away in 2013. So, you know, within the past five, six years, it's been it's been, you know, a tragedy after a tragedy. But at the same time, to come out on the other side and, and be a little bit stronger, um, that that that's why a lot of the you know, you hear a lot of the pain in the music. But also in the newer music, you'll hear a lot of the triumph as well, you know, because it's, it's, it's all a process. And like I said, with a lot of the, 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 gate, the weight gain that I was speaking of, that was during the real super depressed and just miserable uh, four or five year span. And then um, now here we are in 2015 and hopefully with a fresher and newer approach on it. So within four, yeah. four or five years, 2009 to 2000 the end of 2013 basically so how how has music helped as an outlet for all of this because quit you know you said you have songs dedicated to, to nearly all of them right um you know how how has music you know does it does it mend does it uh does it help process you know what's going on does it get you sort of not sort of help you take a step past what's occurred like how how is music helping you all of them it does all of it um for me, uh, especially, it definitely is a. Uh, it releases the poison, so to speak. You know, when you when you take things in and you don't grieve or you don't you don't process them uh, as well as you should, things start to pile up. You know, when 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 you got one person passing in one month, you don't have a, a full process of of dealing with that. When another thing happens, not even two months after that. So, you know, while while you're trying to deal with these issues, you got to find ways to to outlet the poison. The, the, the grieving process needs to be fully completed before you can take that next step. So music literally helped me get my own grieving process. Like uh, You Mean Everything literally was a 45-minute me crying, like my eyes out, like bawling my eyes out, thinking of my son, and all them lyrics literally came to me within 45 minutes. So that was just me processing that 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 whole encounter and and going through the process in my mind and actually taking it in and not just thinking about it on, you know, like block it out, block it out, put it to the back of your mind. It it, it never happened. It don't exist because it does exist. And, you, you know, when you look at pictures and, and you see, um, you know, people that you lose or people that you've lost and it's, it, it, it starts to affect you in a specific way. And that's when it could become poisonous. So that, like I said, it's, it's basically just a toxin release. And, um, also, like you were saying, just a way to process everything, you know, take all the information in 
and understand what's happening, what what's going on with you mentally, what's going on with, you know, the the things that occurred and and you can't just chalk it up to that never happened. They're you know they're still alive. They it's just I haven't spoke to them in a while. You know what I mean? Like you try to yeah. cope with things in a specific way that it's not always the most healthiest. Now that's my process. That might not be somebody else's sure. process. They might not want to talk about those things and talking about, you know, happy things or things that make them feel happy through music is their toxic, you know, their toxic release. So it's it's different for everybody. And I think that's one of the greatest things about art. You know, you get to express yourself and, and the ways that you express yourself can help you feel a little bit more, um, you know, better about some of the most tragic things that happen to you, you know? Right. Well, one, one way we one thing we know about human behavior and human emotion is that one way to help cope with things is by being inside of a community. Oh, yeah. And you know you that you know there in Philly with you know with you know the thirty and over league and your family and just the whole the whole scene there. I can imagine that you had a community there to you know to help you string you along the way. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's uh, uh, there's a lot of people that you know kind of like fell off during the process, but then there's also a lot of people that stepped up to the plate during the process, like. You know, uh, my man, Mike Trampy, Jay Hatch, like these are dudes that when I was trying to give up on the music and literally just like stay in my room and not even be bothered with nobody, uh, you know, wreck raw like these. These are the dudes, uh, Brian Kane, people asking me always like, yo, how you doing? Come out, um, do these things and, and I need to get you on this song or just just trying to keep me active mentally. And uh Two Gun says, you know, Big O, like, I can name names forever, that the, the people that literally never forgot about me. When my son passed away, uh, Big O was literally at the hospital with me at 3 o'clock in the morning. These are things I don't forget. And it's also the things that gelled this scene together, you know, like, like uh, it's, just, it's crazy because you think about, like, the autism event. You think about the, uh, uh, the, the event for Paige and you think about how a community of hip hop heads could come together and it's not about hip hop no more. Now it's about real life. Now you're, you're, you're assembling for bigger reasons other than for people to hear your music. You're assembling so that the music could actually help heal other families that aren't in the scene and then building them up into the scene. You know what I mean? Like they, they become a part of the fabric and, I love I love the city of Philly for the for the you know the the blue nose but you know the blue collared hard nose uh, business aspect it gives you, but it's also a, a really uh, you know like you say community and it's more like a group effort towards things, and that's not that that's never been more apparent than nowadays like you know the whole backs war movement with like AdLib and you got dudes from Sensi Star you got you know Core Food like there's a lot of groups in the city that are that are you know formulating and and help build up the city scene to to an extent that it should have been at before you know like it, it was always divided up until a specific point and now it's getting to a point where there's strength in numbers and like yeah. you said that that is based off the community and the fact that a lot of us we're not just rappers we're not just producers we're not just DJs you know we're not just fans we're all one big community 
and we all show up at you know each other's shows, support each other when the music drops, and we're all in each other's videos, and that it's never been this way up until now. Like now, I feel like it's the it's the most uh, together that it's been in years. And uh, you know, for me, I've been in the scene for about ten years. There's others that've been in the scene twenty years, twenty five years that are like, yo, this is. This is getting to a point where, I, like, you, you, you're you're loving it again. You're loving hip hop, and you're loving it in the city of Philadelphia again. Yeah. So let's, uh, you know, let's let's wrap up with talking about Thirty and Over League. Oh, you yeah. are, as you as you pronounce on your Twitter page, the commissioner of the Thirty and Over League. Uh, I am weeks away, or a week actually, from turning thirty myself. There it is. Uh, yeah. So. You know, I if I I could start rapping and come join the Thirty and Over League. Uh, what, uh, you don't necessarily you don't have to be an MC though. You could you could be whatever. Like we got a we got a Thirty and Over League accountant. My wife does you know the the photography. We got a videographer. We got producers, DJs, MCs. It's you know whatever you want to do, what, whatever you can do, whatever you want to do. The doors always open. Well, there there you go. Consider me the honorary podcaster of the 30 and over league. There it is. Let's lock it up now. I have your shirt in the mail as soon as you're ready. Love it. Love it. <laughs> so, I mean, like, you know, how did it, how did this come together and uh, you know, you you guys you guys are popular around. I remember I was walking around uh Philly with Steve and we stopped by some uh some shop. Steve's going to kill me. That I don't remember what it's called. Uh, it was some some t-shirt art shop. Oh, uh, Art and, History One Hundred and One. Yeah, there we go, Art History One Hundred and One, yeah. and they had a thirty and over league t-shirt in there. Yeah, that's JP. And I, that's the homie JP. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, tell me about tell me the how long has this been around, and is it are you surprised by how how popular you guys are around the the Philly scene? Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so uh, June, but yeah, I mean we're we're probably coming up on our two year uh, anniversary, so to speak. Basically, uh, the end of June in 2013, we did a show in Secaucus, New Jersey. It was me, uh, my man Blesser, and Rec Raw. But this was after uh, we did a show in Quakertown. Me and Bless, I, I brought Bless up there with me. And he was just on some, yo, man, I need to get out the house. What's up, man? Haven't talked to you in a while. Uh, you know, we went up to Quakertown with uh, Joe Schlegel. Shout out to Joe Schlegel. That's one of the best dudes I know in this hip-hop scene. But, um, yeah, we went up to one of his shows, and, you know, Bless was like, yeah, man, I, I've been feeling like I need to get back out there. So I made sure that, uh, you know, my set was long enough that I could put Bless up there on on, on some freestyle, you know, just just kick a verse over uh, an instrumental so he did his verse, and after that, he was like, yo, man, like, I can feel, you know, like, reinvigorated, like, yo, man, I missed this, like, I, I forgot what it's like, and then basically off of that, I uh, I hit up Rec Raw, I hit up my man Almighty, I hit up my brother Slim Dism, and blessed. That was the initial five dudes that were to be involved with the 30 and Over League, and it was only supposed to be, a, you know, like a one-album project. I just asked them, like, yo... I want to do a project with all, like, my favorite MCs, dudes that I feel like got, you know, overlooked or underrated as far as, like, hip-hop goes, and we'll see what happens. And here we are two years later with more members, and, uh, you know, it's like a family now. Like, everybody that's involved with it is involved in it for a reason, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And you guys got a you guys got a show July 29th with Bone Thugs. Oh yeah, we got that right? uh, we got July 29th with Bone Thugs, <laughs> but before that we got the uh, June 28th the uh, hip hop haberdashery put on by a uh, two hour show and uh, you know lyrically uh, uh, Thor Takeover. Um, basically, you know, DJ Soulbuck and T.H.E., we partnered, you know, they partnered up with us to, to do this, uh, hip hop haberdashery event, which is basically, um, seamstresses for people who need like suits and stuff for like, you know, sh- uh, for interviews or, or, or for whatever. And, and they donate their time and their, their clothing to, to people that are trying to, you know, go get, get go get a job or do do whatever, whatever you would need a suit for. That's what they do it for, basically. And yeah. um, that's June twenty eighth, and then June and June thirtieth, we're rocking with Planet Asia over at the Fire, and then July twenty ninth with Bone Thugs. But it, it's that's awesome. I can't, I couldn't ask for anything more, man. The way the city gets behind us and supports us, and it, it feels like it feels like you know, like like I'm a kid again when I'm doing it, like. It's just a it's a different rush when I'm on stage with five five of my brothers, six of my brothers instead of on stage by myself. You know, it's it's, it's a different energy. I call it chaos, uh, uh, you know, chaos and harmony because it's like you see all these alpha dudes on on stage that uh, you know are monsters in their own right. Could literally be you know solo artists that could blow up at any time type of talent, but yet we all coincide and it's all like this. Uh, like you know, like the, the the unity in the stage is just it's that's the one thing that I that I'm most proud of with the you know the whole league. Yeah, absolutely, Nico. It has been a true pleasure having you on the show. This is uh you know we've we've never talked before. When I don't you know when I have a guest on that I've never spoken to, you know I'm, I'm never quite sure how it's going to turn out. This has been uh, a true pleasure, sure. You you uh you've done great here in this interview. Oh man, honored, honored. It's uh. Any listen, anytime, any any of the members that you you want to get on, or if you want to speak to any, I want all of them. Yeah, we. I want all of them. We could do a, you know, we could do a little roundtable uh, thing where you know we all come together and do uh, do one uh, one big podcast with everybody. Yeah, that could be dope. But uh, I, uh, you know, July 29th, I'm gonna I'm gonna circle it on the calendar, and I told Steve that I was gonna be in Philly one more time before the summer ends. Oh, man, uh, and that's maybe that's it. when I decide to show up. That's got to be it. Yeah, definitely. Is that a? I think it's going to be a, a real good event. Like, uh, you know, thirty and over leagues on it, and then uh, the homie Chill Moody's on it as well, who is another artist. You know, I, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with from, from yeah. the Philly area. So, plus you get to hear, you know, EE's 1999 Eternal in, in its entirety. So that's when awesome. Is, uh, you know, when could you say that? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. But, uh, uh, it, what, what's awesome about uh, the way that pop culture works is you never. I don't even bother going to see artists when they're like they're most popular. I wait until they're like a decade removed from that because then they're much more accessible and it's much cheaper to go to their shows. But you get the same performance. It's, oh, yeah. it's great. We well, listen. We just did a we did a show with MOP. I swear to God, it was like listening to it was almost like listening to them on an album. That's how seamless it was. Like they, yeah, their voices don't crack. You don't hear no slip ups. It's like literally, you can tell these dudes are like brothers in the sense that they know every move. They know every you know different voice inflection that they're gonna make. That they need to 
you know, pick up in, in the set and it's just tied in so perfectly. And you look Tell at me. it and you're like, I'm watching this at Voltage Lounge. It's ain't it like yeah, right? you know, Madison Square Garden or something like that. This is Voltage where all our all our dudes are performing at, where we've actually touched the stage. You know what I mean? Tell me the whole crowd went nuts when Annie F started playing. Yo, I, listen, and I'm talking nuts <laughs> in the sense that they started the beat. They started the Annie Up beat. They went into like maybe like two bars. Everybody jumping with their arms <laughs> in the air, screaming. <laughs> the DJ stops the beat, and then they go into like this 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 build up again, and then pop it right back on in the same energy, even Ugh. tenfold. And we're all back there, just like I'm I'm cheesing like a little kid in like the candy store. <laughs> Watching like hip hop legends, I'm standing not even ten feet away from some, you know, two of the best dudes, uh, definitely one of the top duos that's ever touched hip hop. You know what I mean? And yeah. and they're right there and doing Annie up in film. Because we, we remember going back to the beginning of the show, we remember waiting till it came on the radio, or we right. remember trying to borrow it from our friends so we could yep. uh, we could dub it because that was the jam. He said dub. <laughs> When's the last time you dubbed the track? He said dub. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, we're showing age now, bro. We're showing yeah, right? age. Now. But yeah, that's that's literally what it would what, what it felt like. It felt like I was that kid again, just listening to them on the radio or or well, MOP was a little bit too rugged to be on the radio for real. Sure. For real. Uh until you know, until, you know, uh the Warriors and, and uh Cold as Ice drop uh, you know, the single dropped, so then it was yeah. on it was on there, but you, you wouldn't hear them uh, too often on the radio because they they're just way too raw and hardcore. But that's that's what the essence is, and that's what you seen when they were rocking. It was so so dope, man. So surreal too. Like you're in the moment. Like holy shit, I'm standing next to these dudes. Yeah, crazy. So crazy. I didn't prompt you before the interview, uh, but each each episode has a feature track at the end and the artists, you know, you can choose a uh, track you want to promote or you can choose a track that you want to represent you as an artist for maybe new listeners. Uh, I think that maybe, uh, I think maybe it's, you know, uh, we've talked about, you know, the tracks that you dedicated to, you know, your lost family members. Maybe you want to choose one of those to, to represent your, your material and, and pay an ode to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, for, for, for sure. Uh, there's uh, there's a song that I did for my brother called uh, If We Should Die Tonight, and that's uh, on Dinner Sir Volume 2. So if you listen to that, you'll get a real good feel of uh, what the music is like. And for the 30 and Over League, we got a track on YouTube called Bunny Hops. Go check that out. And that's, that's you know, what I... The essence of of thirty and over league, uh, you'll be able to get that 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 feel when you when you check that out. And shout out so to everybody involved, man. Like DJ Cenobite, Rec Roy, Almighty, Blessed Slim Dism, uh, Microphone Tone, Zap, Crisis, Lady J, Christy, uh, Christina, every everybody, man, everybody about Will Level Thirteen, Brizzo Beats. I could go on for a while, man. There's a lot of people in the league, but. I love yeah. Them all. So, out of those they're, two tracks that fans. you named, which one do you want to play right after this interview for people to hear? Uh, if we should die tonight, you could rock out with that one. All right, let's do that. You could rock out with uh, "If We Should Die Tonight." That's a wonderful. Nico, thank you so much for joining me, man. It's been a true pleasure.
Anytime, man. Like I said, anytime. You need anything, just let me know, and, and we'll make it happen, man. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. Uh, and, you know, shout out to Marston House for setting it up, and have a good day, man. Absolutely. On Thursday, we'll be dropping the public access draft cipher, which uh, Nico the Beast is on along with Rec Raw. Uh, they did about a year ago. That releases into the feed on Thursday. Make sure you subscribe to iTunes to get that to your library. I'm Law Dog on behalf of Steve and Ethan and the rest of us here at Marston House. See you next time. Keep careful watch of my brother's souls. And should the sky be filled with fire and smoke, keep watching over during sun. I'll cover your shoulder and watch your back As you stumble down tumultuous roads and suffer rest Of demons that been scheming to get you since we was kids And they won't quit cause they believe that you special And that you is, is reason enough to never give up Cause we exist in a world where the enemy dies and freedom lives Looking back on times that we had What we done did is redefine with a passionate grasp On seeing which is destined for the sky and the path where Jesus is Cause we decide what happens at last Meaning this, if the trap is designed as a past we're being Sick of watching those we love die And leaving as quick as the tears That we given by God then we can win Cause you alive even though you ain't here My only wish is to ask for a rise of the glass Seeing him in your mind As he laughs with his friends That's how we live We should you made played over and over rest in power until we meet again in the 25th hour it's no good that you gone but the legend that you left helps it is what it is i just hope you rest well Friends begets a society where fear never ends. Regret. Have you hoping you could be saved on the last days when all your life's moments are replayed? At least I know my baby brother is in heaven with my baby and my mother. I just hope that I get let in. I hear you speak to me at times when I'm prone and well. When pain overcomes and emotion swells. You knew me better than I know myself with separate thoughts than those I felt cause I was lost. And you always seem better than me. Told me whatever we dream is all. Now you gone, so forever I bleed. We should all die together. Raise a glass for the last night. We should die tonight. We should all die together. Raise a glass for the last night. We should die tonight.
Jesus Christ.